Hey, podcast listeners, Pastor Freddie T here. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you're enjoying the fall weather as much as I am. Grant Louder, Clam Chowder, and I have another great conversation, and we're so honored you're listening in. Keep it real. Keep it Jesus. This is a podcast from Real Life Sango in Clarksville, Tennessee. Thank you for being a part of our online community. We would love for you to join us at 8.30 or 10 a.m. on Sunday morning at the City Forum. In the meantime, if you would like to share a prayer request, make a financial contribution, or take a step at Real Life, you can text MISSION to 97000. Now enjoy the podcast. Welcome to the podcast. Grant Lada Clam Chata. Ready T. What's up, man? Morning, morning. I'm so glad we're doing the podcast because I haven't talked to you all week. Yeah. It's like my chance to catch up with you. I know. Yeah, I was like, I haven't heard from Freddie T in a while. It's like we so got a set. We got a set date. Excited on the yeah, calendar. Excited it's now to catch Thursday up. Thursday mornings, seven thirty. Yes, I think that that's early. working for you, for me, for DJ Daniel Cox. It works. Yeah, yeah. great time. How's the family, man? Good, good. Um, I do have a funny, funny story slash update. Um, you've challenged the the men's discipleship group that we're going through to pray on Saturday more or Saturday evenings as yes. a family, right? Before yes. church, prepare your heart, prepare our hearts. So we didn't do it Saturday. We did it Sunday morning before yeah. we left yeah. uh, the church. And it was funny. Before you left home? Yeah, before we left home, before yep. we went to church this past Sunday. And it was funny. The one time we did it, the child care systems were down. So they had to, you know, manually check us in. Rebecca had an accident, so we had to rush out to the car, uh, like a potty training accident, gotcha, that is. Gotcha, um, So it was just a funny, chaotic, yes. probably the most chaotic Sunday we've ever experienced. And we were, and like, you and we, were pre, we, we were prayer paired. We were prayer paired, yes. yes. And so we were like pr- praying for the, the children's ministry workers, that, or just prepare them. So hopefully they felt equipped to handle with that technical glitch. So uh, proud during, of all of our volunteers yeah. for... They, they handled pivoting. it like, oh my gosh. Yeah, so like the internet or something was down. I think so, yeah. And they went with manual check-in and... Yeah, didn't, yeah. didn't And you guys had prayed, so you were ready for the curveball. Yeah, we were, so yeah, kind of funny. But yeah, everything's going good in the Louder household. Kids are back in daycare. And I love it. Have you driven by the land yet? I the haven't. I've land? seen some Instagram videos, yeah, though. It yeah, looks yeah, like yeah. they're putting in some utilities. and it's so exciting, man. I think I saw the video of the guy explaining maybe in like three to four weeks the slab yeah. is going to be down. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah, it's wild. That's yeah. insane. Very exciting. Yeah. 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 It's, it kind of blows my mind, honestly, like seeing it all now full throttle. You know, it's like, Lord willing, there's now nothing that's going to like stop it. Yeah. Right? It's just like next stop. Moving into the building. Oh, man. That's exciting. Yeah. Like, what is that process? I mean, like, once it's built, is it just, all right, next Sunday we're not at the city forum. This Sunday we're yeah, at. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking about that this week. I yeah. think that we will likely, uh, you know, it, it all depends on, like, what our hard stop is at the city forum. Mm. So it's around September-ish is what they've told us. Um, so it depends on, well, you know, do they let us stay a few extra weeks if our move-in day is October 1 or something like that? And um, I think what what would make sense is to do a couple of dry runs with all of our volunteers, um, just from a systems perspective, like yeah. just what you described there. Yeah. So that you know the experience is not chaotic for folks coming in. You know, right now we've got about seven hundred people that gather for worship on Sunday mornings. Moving into a new building typically immediately bumps that up. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it just happens, you know, people are drawn in the same way that like when you launch a new church, 
when you move into a new building, people are drawn to the new. Yeah. They want to see what it looks like inside or in some people's psyches, it's even like you're not a church until you have your own building, Yeah, which is totally unbiblical, right? Because the, the people are the church, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but, but still, even still in some people's minds, you know, that's a step of stability that as they look for a church for their family, they need that kind of stability of, no, you actually have your own building. So anyway, so we do expect a bump of attendance like mm-hmm. day one. And we're excited about opening our doors and opening our hearts to the droves, the masses that Jesus is calling. But I think we'll have like a couple of weeks. Kind of, It's kind of like pulling the rubber band back. Yeah. Like I kind of want to pull the rubber band back as far as we can without it popping and then letting it go. Yeah. So, you know, I think taking a couple of weeks, even if we're not in in-person worship for a couple of weeks, that just builds the anticipation. Mm. I think that that would lead to a lot of excitement, you know, yeah. to moving into the building. and So no putt-putt courses that I have to <laughs> climb on and drag my two-year-old off of from running that's, around that's after exactly service. That's exactly right. Anymore. Yeah, that, that's, that's exciting. What about y'all? Updates from y'all in yeah. the, the Wyatt household. Any updates? Well, CHS beat Rossview. Yep. So your first was, bullet point um, from the brain dump. Yeah. <laughs> it, uh, yeah, that's exactly right. If you want to know what's on my mind. Yeah. Um, I, I love a good rivalry. When I was growing up, it was Northeast versus CHS, and the rivalry was hot. This mm. was before Rossview existed, certainly before Kenwood existed. Anyway, so it'll be really interesting now. now I'm sorry, uh, Kirkwood is what I meant. It'll be really interesting now that Kirkwood is built to see if the Kirkwood-Rossview rivalry takes precedence over the Rossview-Clarksville rivalry. Yeah, like same street. Yeah, they're like right yeah. in the same hood. You know, it, it'll just be interesting to see. Yeah. And, and if that happens, then I don't know who CHS's big rivalry will be. Mm-hmm. Anyways, I, I don't know, but it's fun. It's tons of fun. The energy Friday night was awesome. The game was tied at halftime. Yep. And I was nervous. And I think lots of folks at CHS were nervous. You know, it's interesting. Most of the assistant coaches yelled a lot at halftime, but Coach Shelby didn't. And, um, you know, I don't know if that, I don't like, I don't know if they like, I don't know if walking. Good cop, bad cop. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if like walking to the locker room, they're like, okay, you give it to him and I'm going to play chill. Right. Like, I'm not exactly sure how that works out. My guess is, is there's not a real strategy Mm -hmm. that they just go in and like, whatever happens, happens, you know? And, um, but, uh, they came back out and CHS ran off with it. You know, um, my son, Jack threw a pass that felt like a momentum shift. Mm. He hit Ben Moore, who's a real lifer, um, with a great 30 plus yard pass. And, um, you know, Clarksville high's football team has so many weapons. Yeah. It's just like anybody can score. And, and you saw that that night. Anyways, I could go on and on. Be yeah. Podcast, yeah, I guess podcast that, I mean, listeners don't want to hear much more about that, especially if they're Rossview fans. Yeah, I'm curious. I mean, I guess this will segue us nicely into the brain dump, just kind of talking through that. But we're new to the area. I mean, we've only lived here, so we're, we're kind of new to the whole rival. So what is that banter look like? Is there any sort of like, oh, man, CHS people are like this and Rossview are like this? What's, what's the banter like? What's the kind of like rivalry culture? Yeah, uh, great question. You know, so Jack got sacked once, mm. and the guy that sacked him played on his summer league baseball team. Oh, so they were like teammates on summer league baseball, and now the guy's sacking him in the Friday Night Light football game. You know, so there's, um, you know, so I think that the rivalry is all like good, clean fun mm-hmm. for the most part. Um, every now and then it goes over the top, and people like get like 
okay, that was inappropriate. Did anyone know? like vandalize schools? Like, because that's what we did. Like, I we can't snuck remember. On and, like, I, every silly now and then somebody goes over the top with something, yeah. and somebody gets their hand slapped or you know something like that. Um, they do have these barstool Instagram barstool accounts. Mm. Do you know barstool? Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know a lot about barstool. I don't think it's like a wholesome like. No, you know, I'm not. Yeah, I, I'm just aware of it. Yeah, not yeah. Too knowledgeable. I don't really know about it, but like. Like Barstool's a thing, and then they have all these Barstool copycats. Mm-hmm. And um, so Rossview has their own Barstool handle that they created, and CHS has their own Barstool. And so on their Instagram Barstool accounts, um, they're making like memes all week long. Okay, you know, like they're putting like they're putting like the the face of the opponent's um, quarterback like on a on a Barstool like making fun of them or something. Mm-hmm. You know, like all these things. You know, and um, so, so, so part of the rivalry is like, you know, okay, let's see how much we can make fun of the other team on the Barstool account, you know, and, um, but our church is filled with, you know, people from all over the County, you know, mm-hmm. all kinds of schools are represented in our church. Um, but there's plenty of CHS and Rossview people in such a way that in the lobby on Sunday morning, they're all, you know, they're yeah, all talking yeah. about the game and, yeah, you know, that kind of thing. So. Yeah, that's cool. Definitely yeah. hope to make it next year. We were at a wedding shower, I think is what it would be called, for my wife's grandparents or like getting remarried. So we were in Hopkinsville, Kentucky, and we're not able to make the rivalry. Yeah, here's one Here's one funny thing. So the baseball coach at CHS won't – that he won't say the name Rossview. Oh, it's like that. He'll say the Red School. Or the school that exits. That's like Ohio State, is that Michigan. Right? They say that team up north. Yeah, yeah. They don't okay. even say yeah, Michigan. There you go. Yeah. So that's what he. That's his take. You know. He, okay. He, he'll say the red school or the school that exit eight. He doesn't the say school that. Ag- that's insane. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. So what does he say when he like? Hey, take a left on. Does he not say Rossview Road because that's just the name of the road? Or oh yeah, yeah. Kind of uh, no, I, I don't know what he does. <laughs> take when he a gives turn directions. on that road yeah. as soon as you get off exit eight. Yeah, that's um, funny. Not Rossview though. Um, but awesome. Yeah. For those who weren't at, uh, churches past Sunday, Alex Morris led the service and did an awesome job leading us through Daniel three. How does that feel as a pastor? You said you, you texted him or called him like Saturday night at six thirty PM. Hey, you're, you're leading Sunday morning. How does that feel to be able to do that? And then him go up there and just deliver just an incredible message of from God's word of you just see that from your congregation and elders just being able to like, man, this is incredible. How's yeah. that feel? Uh, it feels great. It feels great. It feels strengthening you and I, it's funny because you and I were talking on the podcast like last week about how my pastor in college texted me on yeah. Friday or he didn't text me. He called. That's me. what I was thinking yeah. in the service. Called I was like, on, was that, was that intentional? Right. Yeah. You kind of like, it wasn't intentional, but I do think that that was in the back of my head, you know, yeah. because so you, you'll know I've reached out to you and about three other guys. Mm-hmm. And I said, Hey, I want, I want each of you guys to prep a sermon and be ready anytime for me to call on you. Right. Yeah. And uh, so Alex hit me back and he's like, I actually have one, you know, I'll dust off the, you know, I'll be ready. You know, I'll be ready. So I, um, this past, this past weekend, I was, I was more tired than usual and I was so fired up about the text of scripture that I was going to preach on, but I wasn't Mm. happy with where it was. So I just thought, you know, 
this would be a great week to pass the ball to another guy. Here, here's why it makes sense for me. One of our values is equip and empower. Yeah. Um, and so for me, living out our values is giving other, empowering other people to use their gifts. Mm. And so for me, it's not like a, oh my gosh, I can't believe he did that. No, it's like totally consistent with our values. Yeah. Right. Um, had I not already like asked him to have a sermon ready to go, then Saturday night would be kind of like, what? Mm-hmm. Like only if you're throwing up, right? Like don't do that to somebody unless you're yeah, throwing yeah, up. Yeah. Right. But the fact that I'd already prepped him, you know, you don't like, you don't choose what happens in life, right? Like it just happens. Mm-hmm. Right. So people die and people get sick and you're at the hospital and you're doing funerals and you've got kid issues and you've got all the things, right? So, so to be able to pass the ball to one of our elders on Saturday night and then be able to, to, to sit under the word, mm. like not only did it do my soul good, not feeling like I had to press on Saturday night to get the sermon where it needed to be to be ready Sunday morning, but it was awesome for me to get to sit under the word. I really like for the congregation to see me sitting under the authority of God's word. I think modeling, okay, I'm not just preaching God's word to you. I'm actually submitting my life to the authority of God's Mm. word. I love that model. I love that example. Um, You know, had the sermon been a dud, it wouldn't have felt good. But Alex did such a good job. You know, like he spoke clearly. He spoke confidently. He he exposited the text well. He pivoted to Jesus. He, you know, he went straight Mm. from the Old Testament and he preached the gospel, you know, with ease out of the old time, you know? So anyways, your question was, how does it feel? Man, it feels great. It, what's here's what's significant about it is I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to go down too much of a rabbit trail here, but when I was a, when I was a kid, when I was younger, when I was a college student, I remember my pastor telling me when I, like I was going to preach on Sunday night, And he told me, I'm not going to tell the congregation that you're preaching because some people won't come Mm. if they think I'm not preaching. Yeah. Now, at the time, I thought, well, that's really arrogant. You know, like, what do you, (laughs) yeah, people just show up at church just to hear you, you know, like, is that, you know, and, um, and, and maybe I even feel that way a little bit like now, like, that's not the, I guess what I'm trying to say is that's not the culture that I want. You know, mm-hmm. like I don't want that culture at real life of like if people know I'm not preaching, like they're not going to come. And probably the sweetest thing for me this summer was I took a like I took several weeks off in a row this summer. Yep. We did the nine minute sermons. Lots of different guys got reps. And um, what I love about that is we didn't see a big decline in attendance. We mm-hmm. didn't see a big decline in giving like our church is it's about Jesus. It's not about me. Yeah. And so to be able to have done that this summer and then to be able to have passed the ball to Alex and I've gotten three unsolicited comments about Alex's sermon where it was positive and nobody ribbed me really Mm. for like needing to take the, you know, the Sunday off of preaching. So long story short or short story long, it yeah. feels great to have a team to not be doing ministry alone, to be able to pass the ball to somebody that's ready 
that wants to preach and, and can do a good job. It's it's thrilling, man. Yeah. yeah. What is kind of a follow-up question, because I think Lauren and I just are always having conversations and talking. What's your, like, philosophy of, you know, you mentioned, you know, not preaching and kind of definitely equipping and empower, but also maybe the other, other end where people are like, well, I want the, a consistent past, you know, pastoral presence of at least some sort of consistency with who's up there versus like each week it's, it's somewhere, someone new. So what, what's your kind of philosophy on like, Hey, over 365 days, I'm preaching like 70% of the time and maybe, or, or 80%. And then we got the 20% for the nine week, nine minute sermons for vacation and, and one off things. So I'd be curious to hear more. Um, Cause I think that's definitely something Lauren and I value is, you know, man, we, we love every, you know, equip and empower and, and seeing different gifts. We're like, man, we hope that over the course of the year, it's like, man, Freddie, we trust that Freddie T mm-hmm. is kind of shepherding this church. So I didn't know how yeah. you kind of balance that to, to allow, you know, people to come up on stage and, and to flex their gifts and to, to be equipped and stuff. I didn't know how, how you kind of balance that. Yeah, no, that's great. Well, you know, there's, there's a number of principles that guide that. Uh, one of the print, you know, one of the principles is an awareness of what season are we in in the life of the church. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in in other words, like parenting. Um, parents don't come home from the hospital with their baby and call a babysitter. Yeah, right. Yeah, like they take care of that kid morning, noon, and night, and in the middle of the night, and they're not phoning it in. Mm-hmm. Right, they're not asking for help. Like lots of parents, like that first time that they get somebody else to keep their kids, it's a big deal. Mm-hmm. I've had people come up to me. I've had people come up to me uh, that left their kids with someone else for the very first time at real life babies. And they came up to me on a, on a morning and they're like, they're, they're kind of like terrified. Yeah. And they're like, this is the first time I've ever left my kid with anybody else. Yeah. Right? So, but there's a natural progression Right there's a natural progression of when your comfort level grows and you know okay my kid is not going to die mm. you know and they may actually have a really great time mm-hmm. with this babysitter they may actually have a real highlight with this babysitter right um I was talking with some men Wednesday morning and both of these men are in the military and both of these men said it has either been a really 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 long time since they've had a night alone with their wife um, or, or like they couldn't even point to a time that they had had, since they've had kids. Right. And so I was like, dudes, you need to get away. Mm -hmm. Like you need to get a sitter and you need to get away with your wife. Now, why is that? Why is that? Because they're going to be much better parents. Mm -hmm. If they take a break, they're going to be better parents over the long haul, if they take a break, um, they're going to be better parents if their marriage is strong, right? So the same principle I apply to preaching. I'm going to be a better preacher and a better pastor if I give myself breaks. So the very thing that people have grown to love about real life, if they love my preaching, if they love my leadership, the only way they're going to continue to love it is if I do take breaks, mm-hmm. right? And, and the only way I'm going to stay sharp, the only way I'm going to stay fresh the only way I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really feel like I'm preaching out of the overflow is if I take breaks and I give other people, right? I, I, 
so that's one principle. Um, and I, I want to push against a little bit of a consumeristic, you yeah. know, kind of approach. You know, in First Corinthians, Paul was addressing like this kind of everybody was arguing about their favorite preacher, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And First uh, Corinthians, I, I think, it's three, and he's you know he says you know some of you are, are saying I follow Paul, and some yeah. of you are saying I follow Apollos. And, and Paul says, what is man? And he literally says, man is nothing. Jesus is everything, right? Mm. And so <clears throat> I, so there's a tension there. Yeah. And I understand, I understand practical dynamics of, you know, in the same way that if our music style was different every single Sunday. One Sunday you have reggae. One Sunday you have classical music, <laughs> reggae, Christian worship music. Right? I've never that's heard right. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you go to a Rastafarian type, yeah. you know, country, that's what that's the way they're going to worship, yeah. right? Um, if you if if on any given month you have four different expressions, most people are not going to resonate with that. They're not going to feel at home. They're not going to feel like that's a good diet mm. for themselves spiritually. They need more consistency. In the same way, folks need consistency. I think. You, you spoke about trust. Mm-hmm. The one question in the back of everybody's mind on Sunday morning, in the back of their head, whether they know it or not, is do I trust the person on stage? Do I trust them? And trust is, like, it, it is the air we breathe in the church. And so, so the consistency piece is important in that way, but there's a tension because we don't want to cultivate a consumeristic mentality mm. that says, ooh, I don't like his preaching, but I like his, right? Um, you know, it's kind of like coming out of worship going, I didn't like worship today. Well, it yeah. wasn't for you, right? Yeah. Like, let's ask God if he liked it, right? Yeah. Because it was for him, right? <laughs> so we want to push against the consumeristic instinct that's innate in all of us um, while acknowledging, like, common sense, real-life principles that exist of uh, consistency is important, right? Mm-hmm. Um, consistency, there's a, there's a leadership principle of consistency, consistency develops credibility, you know? And so if we're just kind of throwing together something, you know, and it's never the same, you know, we're, there's not going to be credibility to that. So anyways, I, um, I do feel a responsibility and privilege to feed the sheep. Mm-hmm. And it is the calling on my life. I love it. It's a massive privilege. Um, so I try to strategically take time off to stay fresh. Yeah. Um, but one of our values is equip and empower. And, uh, you know, we had uh, Nick Boyd uh, surrendered to the ministry when he was 16 in the life of our church. And I asked him to preach when he was like, 16 or 17 and wow. maybe when he's 15, I can't remember. And I had somebody come up to me and say, what are you not, are you concerned like about getting somebody so young to preach? And I was like, man, I like, I understand where that question is coming from. I understand why someone would ask that question. But my response is, is no, like I would not be where I am today. Had mm. I not been asked to preach when I was 16. Right. So, so part of, part of how we equip people is empowering them. Mm-hmm. giving them opportunities to experiment, giving them opportunities to fail. Um, that's part of how we empower them. Part of how we equip them is empowering them before they're totally equipped. Yeah. You know? Um, and you know, man, I like when you read church history, you see that like Jonathan Edwards was in his twenties, young twenties mm. 
when the Great Awakenings broke out. And so God mightily used a young 20-something um, to, to be a part of igniting one of the greatest spiritual movements that's ever taken place in North America. Mm. You know, so so from that perspective, you know, I just, um, I want to empower a lot of people, you know, yeah. and, and that's why we want to plant churches too, right? Like we don't want to, um, we, we want to plant churches and see those gifts expressed in other environments. So does that answer your question? That does, that yeah, yeah. That's, I love that. Um, I love the, just the dynamic of, yeah, continuity and trust, but equipping and empower and just, I like it. Yeah, it, it's cool to see and super humbled that I was involved in that email to... Totally, man. I've never preached a sermon before. Yeah, so, I'm enjoying the, you know, it's so, like... yeah, I've sent you mine getting notes because I'm definitely probably overthinking and I'm like reverently fearful of... I mean, that's... that's As a, you should be, yeah, right? Like, that's like a big thing. Yeah, like, yeah. No, I don't think you're overthinking it at all. <clears throat> I think I think what we're doing right now, you and I, in the email dialogue back and forth, mm-hmm. is I'm actually just teaching you and training you how to preach. Yeah. Right? Because you are a faithful student of God's Word. And what you sent over, you know, of like, hey, here's what I've got for my rough draft, you know, for my sermon. Like, it was like, it just oozed clear biblical exposition um you know in what i what i what i shared with you is is what you sent over is what we would call running commentary right and it wasn't so much a running commentary it was more of a summary commentary Mm. so so you're a little closer to a sermon than a running commentary would be but it's like okay now how do i how do i take this material and condense it in a way condense it and shape the communication in such a way that it's going to be um, accessible mm. to the listeners. And and how do I take all this meditation and crystallize it in, in a way that it's not just going to be like drinking from a fire hydrant? Yeah. You know, overwhelming. Yeah. You know, it's actually going to be, you know, like a really good drink that makes people want more. Mm. Right. Um, so yeah, it's, it, what a, what a joy to dialogue with you about yeah, sermon yeah. prep, man. Well, I guess you got a glimpse into some one-on-one discipleship between there you go. me and there Freddie you go. T. Uh, shifting gears, I'd be curious because I feel like, I don't know if I'd call it a season, but you call out Donnie and Beth Crawford doing such great job as uh, coordinators of congregational care. Um, I'd be curious because I know, you know, the next bullet point you mentioned, Alex and Kayla Martin and just yeah. the the journey with Enzo kind of yes. recently being readmitted uh, into the hospital. And I think just recently got some updated surgery, which I believe was positive results. Yes. yes. Um, so we have that. Um, you know, you say mentioned a lot of people are pregnant. Yes. And um, I believe Clint Ochoa is, is deployed. He just got recently deployed as yes. well. Um, so what... What sort of care could I expect if I'm one of those people? Like, man, I'm I'm one of these people. I have husband, wife, or whoever's deployed. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, sick kid. How if I reached out to those emails that you referenced? Yes. What sort of care? Yeah. What would I expect to receive? Oh, from thank there? you for asking that question. Well, let me just kind of go back a little bit because DJ Daniel Cox was kind of my first partner to lean in with a focus on congregational care, and mm. he helped us develop some systems. And then he trained up Donnie and Beth and passed the baton to them. So Donnie and Beth got a, a running start because Daniel laid the groundwork. Yeah. Um, 
And, and like God does, God just continues to build things. He continues to bring greater clarity and focus. And so, um, so Donnie and I, Donnie, Beth and I meet once a week and we review a spreadsheet. And on this spreadsheet, there's different categories of people. And we have our widows on this Mm -hmm. spreadsheet. We have all our deployed. We have anybody that's having surgery. Um, There's a number of other things on this spreadsheet and we just talk through, and they basically give me a report on, um, hey, here's the decision we've made for deploying church members to care for these people. And it's kind of a working meeting, so sometimes we'll call people on the spot, the three of us, put them on speakerphone and get an update if we haven't had an update. Um, there's, there's, certain, there's certain benchmarks. So if someone stays overnight in the hospital, um, then we want to deploy someone uh, to to that hospital to visit them, and uh, and then depending upon the severity of what they're in the hospital for, will determine the regularity of how often we deploy someone. So if it's a severe issue, um, uh, so Charles Knutson um, had brain surgery. Wow. Man, we want to be we want to be in there as often as we can, just having a ministry of presence, a ministry of care. Um, when people are going through physical traumatic experiences, um, we want to strengthen their spirit. We want to, we want them to feel comfort and love. So there, so there's that piece. Um, you know, uh, we, our real goal is to customize the care. Mm. So with Alex and Kayla, we're like, what do you guys need? Yeah. And they were humble enough to tell us what they needed. And what they needed was actually like, um, like Uber eat and gift cards, yeah. you know? So, so Donnie and uh, Beth messaged our community group leaders and, and here comes a flood of like Uber eat, you know, gift cards. Yeah. And so what that allows them to do is that allows them to both maintain their vocations and care for their son without having the stress of what are we going to eat tonight? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, uh, I, uh, I called Megan, Ochoa just to check in, see how she's doing. Um, you know, so the key is customizing. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, there's some folks that, uh, they'll they'll keep you at at arm's length. Um, sometimes that's just a comfort level. Sometimes that's pride. Sometimes Mm -hmm. people don't know how to be loved and cared for and they keep you at arm's length. Sometimes you have to kind of push through those walls. Um, uh, other times you realize, no, it has nothing to do with pride. It's just, it's just where they are. They're okay. They're, you know, and, so you really try to customize it. It requires wisdom and discernment, prayer, conversation. Um, so the goal is ministry of presence, and then to customize the care. So if you mm-hmm. find yourself in that in that you know area, uh, if you're a widow, you could expect probably to be getting a note written, handwritten note once a month from somebody in the congregation, mm. just saying we see you, God sees you, we love you, you're important, you're mm-hmm. not alone, and um, yeah, so. Yeah. It's, it's exciting and it's, but it's new, you know, it's, we're, we're still evaluating kind of every few weeks. We're just, you know, figuring out what works, who'd we miss, you know, is this, and it ebbs and flows. So some weeks there's not a lot of care happening and other weeks. Wow. Yeah. You know, it's like, we just had three babies this yeah. week and two people are in the hospital and two, why two, two, you know, spouses just deployed mm-hmm. all in the same week and. So the ebb and flow, yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it's, it's encouraging to kind of get, a, I guess, a peek behind the curtain because, yeah, I think it's cool to see that intentionality and customized 
plans and just the church rallying around people in, in need is, is always just encouraging to hear. Well, you know what's interesting? So so for clarity, what we like to say is that community groups are the first line of care. Yeah. Right. And so I, from the pulpit, say often, you're going to be known best and cared for best if you're in a community group. Mm-hmm. And then I also, and then I say, you may feel alone at real life if you're not in a community group. And I want yeah. people to hear that. Like, you may, like my expectation is that if someone doesn't take that step to connect in a community group type environment, um, that they will eventually feel disconnected mm-hmm. at real life. Um, because you have to put yourself in environments where relationships can flourish. And if relationships aren't flourishing, then you're going to feel disconnected, right? But community groups are the first line of care. But often uh, with Donnie and Beth and the care that that we're providing together, it's a supplement to what community groups are doing. Mm-hmm. But then often there's there's dozens and dozens of people that aren't in community groups. So we're caring for those folks. The other thing that I would say too, Grant, is um, – our church is about five and a half years old. Let's see, five, yep, yep, not even five and a half. And when you think about a five-year-old child, there is so much that they have not yet developed mm-hmm. in. Um, uh, Lily and Elliot, my two children, will turn 15 next month. Wow. Um, they are not ready to drive on their own. They'll get their learner's permit Mm -hmm. in this next year. They will be learning, right? It's very exciting, a little scary. But what what I'm talking about is is, is one of the things that I I have to constantly do is provide clarity for our church as to where we are. Mm. Otherwise, people will have um, wrong expectations of real life, and they'll be let down. They'll be frustrated. We're only five years old. So when you think about, like, what can a five-year-old child do? Well, they can do a lot, and there's a lot they're not prepared to do. Right. And so as a church, um, every year that goes by, we are maturing, we're growing and we're developing. When you visit real life, it might feel like we're a 15 or 20 year old church because of the way God's grown us and developed us and all of these things. But the reality is, is that there's still things that are true about our church that we're still a little kid. And so, so I, I just put that before people to say, be patient, Mm -hmm. be patient let that control your expectations. Um, there may be things that a church that's a hundred years old, <laughs> you know, has been able to develop over a hundred years in terms of systems or in terms of, you know, whether it's discipleship strategies or whether it's yeah. care structures or whatever it may be, you know, everything in its time. And one of my favorite things to do, you've, I've done this with you before, I think, is I draw like this big rainbow arc up on yeah. the wall and I, above it, I, I draw 20 years. And I just say, look, I'm I'm committed to this for the next 20 years. We'll get there. Mm-hmm. Like what you're what you're advocating for, I see it. Yes, amen. We're not there yet. We'll get there. So real life isn't for everybody mm-hmm. because some people need a different kind of church that's further along than we are in particular areas, and that's okay. Um, we don't apologize for where we are, um, and we want, pe- but we want people to know that, and um, yeah. so. Yeah, that, that's awesome. I think the last thing I had from the brain dump, be curious if you had anything specific or wanted to dive in, but just talking about uh, the third to last bullet point, Satan is crafty. He'll stir division any chance he gets. He'll try to get the church to be timid. We ain't having it. Bold <laughs> and unified. Let's go. Yes. Was there anything just on your mind when you wrote that? What was kind of the 
the kind of context behind just just writing that bullet point there. Yeah, well, uh, it's really, really easy for the church to find themselves in a spiritual slumber. Mm-hmm. It's really, really easy to lose sight of the fact that we're in a spiritual battle. Um, you know, so there wasn't any acute anything in particular that caused me to type that out. Um, there might be some subtle things that I hear about there, here, or there, mm-hmm. you know, that I think, okay, if that if that thing got like Satan's like gasoline poured on it, that could really, yeah, you know, become something ugly, destructive for the church. So it's just you know part of the role as a pastor is protecting the flock, right? Just yeah. protecting. So I'm just warning, saying, stay sober, mm-hmm. stay alert. Here's, you know, our church has so much going for it. And it would be naive to think, okay, we don't have a huge target on our back from the enemy, and he would love to disrupt and destroy what God is doing. So let's just be aware of that. Let's be on guard, you know, with that. Um, the longer we exist as a church, the the, the beauty of a church plant, <laughs> the beauty of a church plant is that in your first couple of years, everybody feels so new to the work that like nobody feels entitled to complain because it's not like this was my grandmother's church and this was my yeah, church yeah, yeah. and I was here when they poured the concrete. That you know? room's named after my grandpappy. That, exactly yeah, right, yeah. right. So so it's really refreshing being a part of a movement like that where nobody feels so entitled yeah. to complain, right? Um, but the older you get as a church, like, you know, it's like once you do the same event four years in a row, people are expected that fifth year. You know, mm-hmm. it's like you have a history, you have a past. Everything's not brand new, and um, and so the the potential for somebody to be disappointed, mm-hmm. the potential for somebody to complain, the potential for something like that for that for that consumeristic mindset. You know that that kind of thing. The the potential for the new to wear off. And now these relationships that used to be so new to me and invigorating, now that person annoys me. Mm-hmm. Now the way that person always has this particular take on this thing, you know, and allowing something to creep up in your heart that causes division, you know. You know, when something is new, sometimes you want to protect it more fiercely. Mm-hmm. You know, you take it for granted more easily. So those are just, these are just realities that are I'm aware of, you know, that lead me to say things like, yeah, hey, unified, bold, mm-hmm. let's go. And I really do believe, I really do believe, you know, it's it's really interesting. <laughs> In the Old Testament, when um when the people of Israel started to build the Tower of Babel, and God like what what the scripture says is they were seeking to make a name for themselves. Mm. Well, that's the quickest way to find God's rebuke is to seek to make a name for yourself because God is jealous for his glory, right? Yeah. He's jealous for his name. And so so that received God's rebuke. He scattered them. He, you know, he scattered, changed the languages and he scattered the people of the Tower of Babel. But um but one the commentary in the book of Genesis there, God says these, these people, are all, they're all unified. They're all of one mind. And nothing that they purpose to do will be impossible for them. Mm-hmm. So, so here's people rebelling against God, but they were unified. Mm-hmm. And God said about people rebelling, but they were unified, 
nothing that they purpose to do will be impossible for them. Unity's powerful. Yeah. Right? And so so I really feel like, man, when, when, if we stay humble and we stay unified as a church, and if we stay bold with the gospel, like the sky is absolutely the limit for the kingdom impact that our church will have. Mm-hmm. And um, so there you go. Yeah. Anything you wanted to touch on from the brain dump? I think that was oh, all, you're, all I had. No, I love how you you know, pick out a little bullet points from the brain dump, man. And I'm, I'm always interested to see what you pick out, yeah, you know, I, I do my best. You and, no, it's good, man. That's, uh, I'm, I was just glad to get a brain dump out this week. Yeah. You know, so thanks Alex for preaching. So. Yeah. That was good. What do you think? You want to talk about the sermon? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So we'll come back, uh, right after this and we'll dig into Daniel three. Let's do it. Romans eight. 31 to 39. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who is indeed interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, For your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. We are back. Grant Lauda Clam Chatta. Yeah. Uh, where are you reading in God's Word right now in your personal time? First uh, Samuel, mm. and then Old Testament, baby. Yeah, so I try to do, I'll do kind of bigger chunks of chapter for the Old Testament usually, and I'll listen and I'll read along. So I'm doing that with First Samuel, um, and then I'm diving back into First Thessalonians. So Love it for kind of more deeper digging and chewing. So there. good, man. Yeah, I told you about Susan. Or did she tell you about? Like reading the whole Bible in four months. Yeah, I was, I was like, I actually remember that because I was like, man, I was like, let me see about two months, and I did the math. I forget how many chapters are in the Bible. Yeah, and yeah, it ended up being like sixty some odd chapters a day. And I was Holy like, yeah, I don't know cow. if I have the capacity right. for that's that right insane. now. So yeah, even four months. I mean, or three months even. That's just that's a lot of a lot of reading or listening. Yes, it and is. That's good. But yeah, it's, uh, yeah. So First Samuel and First Thessalonians. That's yeah, kind of yeah. where I'm at. What about you? Where are you at? Um, yeah, good question. Well, I, I'm where am I at? Uh, Romans eight is my meditation. Yeah. Romans eight is my meditation and I'm not, I've pivoted out of the scripture right now to reading parenting books. Ooh. So I probably need to return to reading the scripture. You need to recommend, maybe we should swap because I probably need, I got three, I got three parenting (laughs) books I'm reading right now. One is parenting in the pastorate. Okay. It's really good. Um, one is give them grace. Uh, and the other is just gold. It's by Eugene Peterson. 
love and the, the the title is weird. It's something like like the do or something like that. Mm. Uh, anyways, it's in the other room, and I'll get it. So that that's my most of my devotional time right now is reading through these parenting books. Yeah, and, and uh, it's it's good. It's really good. the The biblical concepts that Eugene Peterson was bringing out yesterday was how in First John how John addresses different age groups. Mm-hmm. You know, he says, he says to fathers, I yeah. have this word for you and to sons. I have this word for you. And what he was arguing in that book was, um, how, how we ought to embrace the generation that we are in and not try to pretend like it's not good. Yeah. And he, it's so funny because he actually said, you know, when, when, when older generations try to dress, he actually wrote this, this like try to dress like hip, like, mm-hmm. like the younger generations, there's something, it, it's really interesting. He was like saying they're communicating to the younger generation that they're not comfortable mm. in the generation that they're in. It's just an interesting take yeah. because like, I've got like some preaching heroes that I'm like, man, they just like. They're like 50 years old or 60 years old and they're so hip, you know? Yeah. And anyways, I digress. Yeah, uh, yeah. We are looking at Daniel three. Yes. And because this is the text that, uh, th- this is the text that, um, Alex preached on Sunday. We're going through the book of Romans eight. Mm-hmm. So when I texted him, I was just like, you, whatever you want. Um, let's just read this text together. Yeah. Uh, Daniel 3, 16 through 18 was his focus text. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Mm. Um, what what struck you out of this text or from the sermon? <clears throat> yeah, Daniel, the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I always like am just reminded of just that. My favorite verse is 17. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burnery finer the fiery furnace, he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. And then 18, but if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. And so I I love, I'm always just extremely encouraged. I just get to sit now, obviously Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were delivered from the fiery furnace, but I think, and that's what Alex uh, mentioned in, in the sermon was just, it's like even if he didn't, we are saved through the furnace. And so um, I always go to this passage to kind of combat like breakthrough language of like you will mm. receive mm. like like we're we're owed something. Like you will get that promotion. You will get that financial increase. You will get this whatever breakthrough and just this verbiage of like even if God doesn't do these miraculous things in my life and like heal me from this or save me from that. Like he's just this holy eternal God that I get to worship. And I'm so graciously 
I can put confidence that I will be saved from death. Like if I die, I'll be in in eternity with with God in heaven. But this, so I always just love. It's just so encouraging, just humbling to see these three men of God stand before potential death and say, even if God doesn't save us, we're not going to bow. And it's just it's just always so motivating and encouraging to. Like, we don't serve just kind of like a genie in a bottle who, yeah, we're only going to serve God if he delivers us from the fiery furnace. It's like, no, we're going to serve him even if we burn up mm. and, and and nothing there. So it's always just encouraging. and Yeah. Um, what you, you mentioned, it kind of pressing against, pressing back on this, this breakthrough language. Yeah. Can you give us a little primer on, like, when you say breakthrough, that's kind of a loaded statement. Yeah. And I kind of have some ideas on what all you're hanging on that. Can you help our listeners to know what do you mean? You just you just talked about breakthrough and some of our listeners are going, is break is breakthrough a bad thing? Am I am I supposed to what what is a breakthrough? Am I supposed to pray for it? Am I am I not supposed to have a breakthrough? Like yeah. what, do, what think, do you mean? Yeah, I think it's kind of like a double edged sword maybe of, you know, there are the, there is this terminology of, you know, if you want to go back to maybe like nineteen nineties like televangelist blow up that happened of pastors saying if you give us money then you will see financial increase and you will see breakthrough um in your finances because you and then you see all these pastors become millionaires and so it's like this guarantee of breakthrough of you know if i have enough faith mm. then god will heal me from my cancer mm. I think there's a lot of, you know, maybe people's theology or churches that speak to that, but I think history and scripture is clear that that's not the case. A breakthrough of God's blessing yes, coming blessing. to us in some way. Yes. Finances, Finances. healing, something like yeah. that. Yeah. So, yeah. and yeah, I think, you know, an illness is always a good one. Like, my grandma has cancer. If I have enough faith, there will be a blessing that her cancer will be healed in the same way. Um, that you kind of see it here. They do get delivered, but there's this there's this sentiment, and we obviously pray and advocate um, on people who have illnesses mm-hmm. and, and are in these tough situations mm-hmm. for God to just do miracles in their lives. Okay. But it's not guaranteed. Like yeah. there's no yeah. guarantee of healing of cancer. There is. In the afterlife, when we have new bodies yes. and resurrected, and yes. there is a promise, but like on this side of heaven, it, I, you know, I always go to this passage of like, even if God doesn't heal, you know, my, you know, I wrestle with, you know, this ailment for all of my life, and that's just always something that I have to just cry out like, and it's not just miraculously healed, like God's so good, and it will be healed eventually. Um, there's a real tension there, right? It is. Yeah. It's a tough tension because, because you're not saying don't ever pray for breakthrough. No, not at all. You're saying be be cautious of listening to teachers promise breakthroughs. Yes, and yeah. I always and I forget her name, but she's like well renowned. She was a diver, a Christian diver, and she got paralyzed in one of her mm. dives, quadriplegic. Oh and yeah, so, Joni Erickson Tata. Yeah, is that who you're talking about? Yeah. yeah. Um, and she's just talking about how, you know, if God uses this to bring one soul to him, like who am I to question 
his sovereignty in that versus like a lot of people be like, well, yes. you should just keep praying, like keep yes. having faith that you will. Right. And she probably does like, so yeah, it's that tough balance of like, I'm sure she asks for, or maybe she's settled in her heart of like, oh, I'm not asking for healing yeah. anymore. Cause I've seen so many people yeah. come to Christ because of this, you know, so supposed tragedy. Um, so I, that's, that's always my first thought when I see that of, God can save us, and I, you know, maybe sum it. Down. God can save us; He will save us. But if he, even if He doesn't in this yeah. life, like He's still God and He's still holy and yeah, requires worship. Well, I love I love your caution there. It's you know in in the scripture you see all these divine tensions, mm-hmm. right? You see that you see that God is sovereign, and yet we must choose to trust Him. You see that Jesus is fully God and he's fully man. You see that Jesus's ministry was marked by grace and it was marked by truth. Right. So I like, I see this breakthrough in the same way because you see these scriptures of like, he who did not spare his own son, how will he not give you all things? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you know, when you ask, you know, if you ask him, you know, for bread, he will not give you a stone. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, um, if Jesus said, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, yeah. how much more will your heavenly father not give those that ask him, right? So you have this picture of this of this of this dad who just dotes over his children, mm. right? He desires to lavish his richest upon his children. The Bible says he you know, he does not withhold any good thing from those who seek yeah. him, right? Uh, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The fullest meaning of that is, well, God has given us himself, mm-hmm. right? He is the gift, right? It's not his gifts. He is the greatest gift. Yeah. That's why we shall not be in want, is because he is our God. He is our father. But you see this this, this benevolent, not this begrudging, but this, like, God, our Father, is the most generous person in the universe, mm-hmm. right? You see that in the Bible. And then you see that Paul had a thorn. Mm-hmm. You, you mentioned a physical ailment. Yeah. Paul had a thorn that brought him great pain. We don't know what his thorn was. He begged God to take it away, and God didn't take it away. Yeah. God did not give him a breakthrough. Mm-hmm. So you so you see these tensions, right? Like in in and I think I think herein is like the beautiful tension. Our yeah. God is able, but even if he doesn't. Mm-hmm. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had a perspective of God that he's not lacking power, and he may choose to deliver us, but he doesn't owe it to us. Yeah. Is that Yeah, yeah. Know? And I think it's a it's a freeing place to be, because I think when you're like well, I am going to get this thing, whatever I'm praying for, healing or blessing, increase, whatever. Like, I am going to get it. But I think I've had times where it just I didn't happen, you know, yeah. and and, yeah. and I get to submit to God. And like you said, our gift is Him, mm. like Him dwelling in us. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I've I've tried to maybe, like, remind myself of the phrasing of, like, the only breakthrough— Come on. I think I'm guaranteed is passing from death to life. Yes. Like cuz Jesus broke through the tomb Cause, baby. Cuz Jesus, yeah, that's yes. that's the breakthrough I'm guaranteed. We got a breakthrough. Come on now. Cut, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um and so like, 
you know, that being modeled in the Old Testament with Moses leading the Israelites through the Red Sea, the parting of like that, like that's the only breakthrough I'm guaranteed. Jesus broke through the tomb yeah. and one day soon he's going to break through the skies. Yeah. And so that is what I'm guaranteed. I'm guaranteed I'm a new creation. I'm guaranteed adoption. I'm guaranteed his Holy Spirit. I'm I'm guaranteed yeah. all these things, but yeah. You know, this maybe fleshly bless like this blessing here on on this side of earth. I'm like, yeah. I, don't, I don't know. It it's happened because I, I can't I've been extremely blessed and I'm just like like God, God, I don't deserve this. Yeah. Like I didn't. Yeah. It's not because I did some things to earn it. It's just God is just ah, he's he's beyond my understanding. It's good in a lot of ways. So. It's good. Well, it's it, I think this is really helpful for Christians to navigate daily life, to understand mm-hmm. the seasons they're in, to know how to think rightly, Christianly about the circumstances they find themselves in from time to time. Um. The, the theologians use the phrase already and not yet, mm-hmm. that the kingdom of God is already here, but it's not yet here in full. Yeah. Already, not yet. And we see that. We see that the kingdom of God has broken in. So in Jesus' ministry, you see that the kingdom of God broke in through Jesus as healing would come about. Mm-hmm. And so Jesus was giving a sign of this is what my kingdom looks like when it comes in full. Yeah, Every blind eye sees. So, so he's giving us a taste. The kingdom of God is breaking in. The Holy Spirit now today still continues to heal, but it's not a promise and a guarantee in this life. And I think this already not yet creates this tension and this longing in Christians' hearts, this longing for God's return. The last phrase in the Bible is, come quickly, Lord Jesus. And mm. Jesus told his disciples, he said, they were... Some of the some of the religious leaders were asking him, he's like, well, why do your disciples not fast? John the Baptist's disciples fast. Why don't yeah. your disciples fast? And Jesus' response was, um, the bridegroom is with them. There's no need to fast when I'm with them, but I will go away. And then they'll be so homesick for me that they'll choose not to eat in order to spend time in my presence mm-hmm. because they're longing for me. They're homesick for me. And I was, I was, I was talking with a guy yesterday, a real lifer, and he said, you know, uh, he, he became a Christian in the last two years in real life. Grown man, um, just recently retired. And he said, you know, when I, I was, you know, when I became a Christian, I was really struggling with happiness and emptiness. Mm-hmm. And he said, it's odd because I'm still struggling with that some. And, um, and we went to the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, and I showed him where Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In, in, in other, in other words, it's, it's only, it's only the spiritually discerning eye that can see that this world is not as it ought to be. It's not my home. I'm an alien and stranger here. And because of that, my spirit's broken, Hmm. right? My spirit's broken because things are not as they ought to be. But Jesus says, no, that, that you're blessed. If your spirit is, poor you're blessed because that's where my kingdom breaks in right my kingdom comes when someone realizes they need my kingdom to come and their spirit is poor and then he goes on to say blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted so um i love life and i try to get the most out of life and my disposition is man like let's find joy in the lord let's find joy in life um 
But but the reality is, is we live in a in a horrifically broken world, and we desperately need King Jesus to come and make it all right mm. in glory. Hallelujah! He is going to come and make it all right, as, as Sally Lloyd Jones says in her book, The Jesus Storybook Bible. He will come and make every sad thing untrue. Mm. That's what Jesus is going to come and do. Um, and so and so, I was I was encouraging my brother to say, it's okay that you still struggle struggle with this unhappiness because we can't be fully happy in this world, certainly in God's presence is fullness of joy, but our experience of God's presence is tainted with sin and brokenness. We, we see through a glass dimly. We, we don't see as we will, you know? Yeah. So, um, so I love, I love what you brought out of just that simple phrase, you know, even, even if he doesn't, mm-hmm. you know, because I think that that helps us, not have this like crushing like low point in yeah. disappointment with God because we are holding him to some euphoric overrealized eschatology. Oh, this overrealized that the kingdom of God is here in full. We don't even need you to come back, Jesus, because everything yeah. is like everything can be healed right now. Everything's going to be healed right now. Jesus, you just stay put. Yeah, you right. just everything's fine here, you know. No, that's not it at all, right? Like we may be burned up in this fiery furnace mm-hmm. for Jesus. Yeah, it's really hard for me. <laughs> it's yeah, it's you know where I struggle with this most. Where it's like I want, like I want to be bold like that, but then I want to get my hand in on manipulating the circumstances to protect me from the fire. Mm. It's like I want to be bold, but then I want to somehow insert myself to try to assure that I don't have those fiery circumstances on me yeah. rather than I'm just living my life for mm-hmm. the glory of God, seeking to be peaceful, peace with all men, quiet life. You know, people laugh when they hear me say quiet life. Like we have a podcast where I'm just talking. We're just talking, Grant. That's what you and I are doing. Yeah, right? yeah. We're just talking, right? Um, and um, but but leaving it in the hands of the Lord. That's the if if you were to ask me, hey, what's what's the one thing God's been teaching you over the last six months? It's it's stop trying to insert yourself mm. and pray that God inserts Himself. Yeah. Into circumstances, situations. And I'm a, I'm a problem solver. I'm a fixer. Yeah. Like, I'm like, oh, yo, you got a problem? Yo, I'll solve it, right? Like, let's just mm. go for it. And it's like, wait a second. Why don't we give God some space to step in and solve it? Yeah. That's, yeah. What, Sh- that's what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did. Yeah. They were like, yeah, whatever. It's up to him. Yeah. We're not trying to punch out the guy throwing us in the furnace. Yeah. We'll just let God take care of it. And then, yeah, I liked, it is kind of funny. I always like to take some maybe creative insight, like Alex mentioned, like, I wonder what they were talking about in there yeah. <laughs> with Jesus. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. It was cool. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, that's, that's always, uh, and what you mentioned of like letting go and um, as Rooster yells at me, <laughs> um, like the maybe cheesy phrasing, like let go and let God. But it's like, man, that's just like so true. Like as we talked this morning about uh, the gospel, people must hear the gospel, people must understand the gospel, and then believe the gospel. And like that last part of like belief is like where I want to try to insert myself of like, 
let me just force you like yeah. to believe it versus no, I can take the responsibility and the due diligence to make sure that I share the gospel so they hear it and that, you know, I hopefully display it in an understandable manner. Yeah. yeah. But after that, I'm like that and that's where I'm like, I, I wanna somehow <laughs> and that rooster's right up here. Yeah. Manipulate I, I the situation. I hope the listeners can hear the rooster. <laughs> I do too. He's mean it's and he's the enemy me. just shouting. DJ, at DJ us. Daniel Cox said, Oh yeah, the rooster's coming in clear. Given division, but yeah. Yeah. What else struck you from the text or the sermon? Anything really jump out at you? I think that was the the main thing. I, I mean, I I think kind of more contextually, I was just like, man, I need to get back more deeper into the Old Testament. That's why I yeah. kind of restarted That's going awesome. back through First Samuel of just kind of learning more about God through those stories. I feel Love like it. I could use some brushing up on. So I was grateful to be shared uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to kind of spur that on. I, the one thing that came out in our community group, and it was just it, it, it when it came out. Everybody was like, whoa. I, I went around in our community group, Grant, and I asked our community group, on a scale of 1 to 10, how ready, how prepared are you if you're faced with this scenario? Like, lose your job or deny you. You know, like, mm. it, and, they're, and they're, like around my community group, they're all like 10, 10, 10. My jaw was dropping. Like, somebody like they're was like, like, oh, yeah, no Somebody problem. was like 8, you know, and I was, I was just like, whoa. Yeah. And then I said, you know what strikes me is that there were there were only three of them mm. among thousands. And they were like, oh, oh, yeah, that might be different. Mm-hmm. Like it's easier to think about losing greatly, enduring cost, great cost, when you're worshiping with 700 people on Sunday morning. Yeah. But when it's you and two other dudes yeah, among thousands and you're the only one that's not bowing to the idols of the culture, they were like, yeah, whoa. I, I may need to rethink my yeah. number a little bit. Because that's where we went. That, that's where we went in our community group is like, okay, here's what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were facing. What, what, are, the, what are the pressures of the culture that you're feeling right now that press in on you to bow, to bow to the, you know, so a lot of, you know, a lot of acceptance of like different expressions of sexuality and the gender thing, like yeah. all those things came up and, you know, and everybody was like 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, you know, I was like, lose your job, like 10, 10, and they're like, and I'm like, dang, I need to start preaching more boldly. If you guys are at 10, like I'm just, and then I was like, you know, what strikes me is there was just three of them, mm-hmm. you know, I think that's what amazes me, yeah. you know. Um, yeah, three. How lonely. Mm. How lonely must the, the pressure to be just three of them. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Powerful. Yeah. 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 Grant, this is great, man. I love you, bro. Love you too. Thanks for digging into God's word. Alex Morris, thank you for bringing us such a such a strong message out of... Amen. You know what I loved is... It's like he knew his audience. Like he opens up with a, like a tombstone, you know. Yeah, and uh, I got some of those references. I was proud of myself. Yeah, I you got know, some I've, of them. Sadly, I'll just like turn in my man car right now. I've not seen Tombstone. I don't think I've seen it all the way through. I've probably seen like seventy five percent of it. Yeah. Well, the guys in my community group are like, dude, he had me. I was like Tombstone. He's like, yes, you know, uh-huh. and and I was like that. Like that is great contextualization. Yeah. Like that was like know your audience. Yeah. You know, bam. You know, and and. Uh, I gotta, 
I got I gotta I gotta put some chewing tobacco in, man. To, yeah, to connect with Sango a little better, you know. Yeah. I, like, I need to <laughs> I need to put my boots on and put a yeah. chawl in, and yeah. then uh, you know, then I'll be like I'll just start getting the Tombstone references. Yeah, you know? exactly. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, well, bro, uh, have a good week. It's Thursday. Looking forward to Sunday. Yes, real lifers. Um, do not let anything stand in your way of gathering with the saints this Sunday. Um, you know, if you, man, if you've been worshiping online, come and get in person. Nothing can replace the manifested presence of God among the saints Mm. in the flesh. So come and gather and experience the presence of God with us. Love the saints. Put your arm around a brother and sister in Christ. We need you there. The body of Christ is not complete when you're sitting it out or when you're watching from home. Um, uh, you may see me on Sunday, but I don't see you. And there's somebody that needs you to show up. The author of Hebrews says, do not forsake the gathering together as some are in the habit of doing. So for those of you that are in the habit, of not gathering, repent, (laughs) gather in the flesh, overcome whatever is standing in your way. You will be blessed by it, and you will be a blessing in doing it to others. Um, Church, we love you. Grant, keep it real. Keep it Jesus. Thank you for listening. We trust that God is stirring something special in your heart today. We hope to see you on Sunday very soon. Keep it real. Keep it Jesus.